I know her, like how we know each other. Cause she helped me. Like I met her when I was in vocal drama. Vocal drama. Sure. Vocal drama. Drama. You had never had vocal drama. I had pre-nodules. Well, I had nodules. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead, Kim. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Water today. Voice Take teacher. Care. Conversation. Hello. Hi. I feel Hi. like I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kimberly Moon, this is Sandra Rodbinowski. Hello, Hello, Sandra. Nice Pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Oh, it's, yes. It's, oh, go, wait, go Gators. And it's water. Go Gators. <laughs> Where are you? Where am I? Mm -hmm. I'm in Havana, Florida, which is a, a suburb of Tallahassee, Florida. Wonderful. Uh, well, I don't know. I felt like with voice teachers, we should, we should behave oh, today. Okay. All right. You behave. You behave. I'm I just in case. <laughs> I can't. I have to go have a blood test today. So yeah, no, no, no. Water, 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 water. But you know what? We'll live vicariously through your wine. No, I won't. I will. I have my water. I always have my water. You do. Always. <laughs> always. Um, well, I wanted to tell people how you and I know each other. Um, do you, okay. you want to be called Kimberly or Kim? I don't care. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I know you as Kim. Yes. And that's uh, we met when I was in vocal trouble at Florida State University because yes. I was um, a little silly and saying my job over the summer was my karaoke job and, you know, singing Whitney Houston and all, Dolly Parton and all that fun stuff. And then I came back to college and, and you know, got into my voice lessons. And within a couple of weeks, my voice jumped out of my body and slapped me across the face. So... Is that a technical term, Kim? Uh, no. <laughs> um, and then uh, another singer friend of mine told me about you and what you did, which I'll let you explain because you'll explain that better than I did. And then it started a, a relationship uh, over 20 years, I think now, right? Right. And um, you gave me a foundation of technique that has lasted me all this time. And um, and we've kept in touch. And anytime anything's going on, I'm calling you. Or if I'm learning a new role, I'm either at your house, you're at my house, or we're doing it on Skype, Zoom, whatever. Right. Good. good so good. that's how we know each other. But we wanted to get both of our voice teachers on here at different point, time points to ask you guys the same questions. Kim, I wanted uh, you to tell us who you are and what you do and why did I get to you because of my vocal drama? Okay. Um, I, I'm considered a singing voice specialist. Um, I have degrees in speech pathology, vocal performance, pedagogy, and um, yeah, I work with a group of doctors in Tallahassee, uh, Tallahassee um, ear, nose and throat. And I have a relationship with one of the doctors that happens to be um, a singer's doctor, a singing specialist. And I convinced them to get the video stroboscopy equipment. And um, I had a group of speech pathologists that work with me if the singers just needed speaking. Um, I started my own clinic, uh, the Tallahassee Professional Voice Clinic. And 
you know, I had a group of massage therapists, acupuncturists, all these different people um, to meet the needs of whomever. Um, some people don't believe in acupuncture, but others do and things like that. So um, I had the reputation of being the woman in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> the voice teachers thought that I was um, this woman in, in the woods. I live in a log cabin in the woods. And they thought that I was there strictly to steal their students which was not the truth. No. I never cared who got the credit for the student getting better. Um, I never advertised. Um, uh, it was all word of mouth. So any student that had, had gotten help from me made sure that other singers knew that I could help them in some way. Yeah. Um, now I have all kinds of people referring um, you know, clients, I'll call them to me instead of, if they sing at all, they say, go to, go to Kim, you know, go to Dr. Murray. You don't right. just only work with classical opera singers. You work with all kinds of people, people that need speech help, uh, rockers, uh, jazz musicians. I mean, you deal with a lot of people that need their voice to produce sound. So Musical theater, yeah, musical theater. theater. Technically, because I am not a licensed speech pathologist, there are certain words I'm not allowed to say. For example, um, therapy. Uh, I mean, there are a bunch of Florida words that they say belong only to the speech language pathologist. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very careful about what I say that I'm doing, and they only come to me if they are willing to sing. And so most of the people that are referred either sing for pleasure, um, have a, a side little band or, um, yeah, but they can have any, any number of issues and I'll help them figure it out. That's so how, did, how does one start? When, when they start with you, they, they call you up and they say, Kim, help me. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Okay. I say, what's wrong? Let's talk about what's wrong. I get a piece of paper. I'm talking to them. And um, have you seen a doctor yet? No. Okay. Well, just tell me all this stuff. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. I have a nine page um, history gathering um, evaluation, voice evaluation that I send to them that lets me know what drugs they take, um, if they do any recreational drinking or smoking or stuff like that, history of everything. I look up all the drugs um, if I don't know how they affect the voice. And so I do all of that between the time I talk to them on the phone, find out what's going on with them from, until the time I see them. I go with them to the doctor, if necessary. Um, the doctor loves me. Uh, his name is Spencer Gillian. So I have a wonderful relationship with the medical community. Um, but I, when I moved to Tennessee, uh, they have the big uh, voice clinic here and yes. you were, um, are connected with one of the main doctors who actually just retired. Unfortunately, yes. I loved him so much. And why is his name like flying out of my head right now? Tom Cleveland. Tom Cleveland, yeah. Okay. Tom Cleveland, 
was yeah. the head of voice at USC. Yes. And I was a vocal student there. So there you go. Small world. Yeah. Really? Wonderful, yes. knowledgeable man. DMA, yep. PhD, you know, uh, it had the whole thing. And I have taken two clients of mine to him over the past 30 years. And you know, we, we go there and he goes, he does his little magic and I go, oh, I should have known that, you know, but he's been a wonderful mentor and it distresses me that he's retired, um, but I still have a cell phone. <laughs> but he's the first man who scoped me. Really? Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, um, he was the one that told me things that Sandra, you had talked to me about with who we're going to be talking to next with Aaron Lowe. And I remember you first telling me about the neck tension and neck things. And I thought, oh, girl, you're crazy. Like, whatever, what are you talking about? But <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. And I didn't, we can get into that later, but I, um, you know, just with other, because that's one of our questions about tension and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just really love that this connection is, it's here. Oh, so, cool. cool. So what we wanted to do with you, as well as, as Aaron Lowe, um, the speech pathologist here, who is more, he's just like you. He's not just one thing. He's a plethora of things. Good. A magical guru like you are. <laughs> and so we wanted to ask you both a, a similar list of questions, if that's okay. Sure. And get two different perspectives on it more one from your being a doctor, whereas Aaron is more just a speech pathologist. Mm -hmm. and, and see, you know, if we can help these young kids nowadays or all singers, if any of this information vibrates with them and they can take and run with it right now because right. Okay. it's a crazy time. So the first one we want to know is what would you say is the biggest problem you encounter with singers that you work with? Problems caused by tension. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I mean, this, we could spend the whole time on that question. I mean, it causes everything from emotional distress, psychological, physical. I mean, everything ties in. So yeah, it's self-inflicted problems because of stress. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? We could just say, thank you very much. Have a nice day. And I bet that that would be 90% of it all, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But they, but it's interesting because people do not realize the stress that they have put on themselves, whether it's their body, their emotions, their mental. Yeah. And Carrie, you know, from the death of your father, mm -hmm. that you know, you can say, I'm doing well. I'm uh, fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and now, no, no, but you don't realize it until someone brings certain things, you know, for you to look at. And yeah, it's, or um, you fail until your body just completely yeah. fails. Yeah. And you don't, and you don't know why. Right. You know, right. stress is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Yep. And people it is. don't realize the depth and breadth of it, I think, but Okay. So what, what can we do with that stress? What, what, what can we as singers do to alleviate it? There are a number of things, um, depending on how intense it is psychologically, you know, we, I send them again, me, 
I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. but I can lead them in the direction that, um, because I did at one point have a psychiatrist in the clinic. The clinic has since um, gone away, but um, because I moved, but um, yeah, I can send them to a psychologist, um, a Christian counselor, um, a psychiatrist. I can suggest things that the that they have told me before. We even had a hypnotherapist. Um, oh yeah, involved. Uh huh. Anyway, opera singer that crashed and burned in Cleveland. Okay, on, on the stage, she had another chance to go there and how she was physically immobilizing herself because of this audition at this place. Yeah. And I had my psychiatrist who was hypnotherapist come into my home and triggered you know, some kind of memory or gave her, um, I, I don't know the, the term, but gave her something that would help her to be able to walk up on that stage and do what she needed to do. And it worked, you know? And like I said, I, I have never been hypnotized. I haven't needed it <laughs> that I know of, but if it works for someone, I'm game, you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I knew as a mezzo watching Sopranos and Tenors that there, that there was psychological stuff going on there, <laughs> but, um, woo, but not until I became a soprano and cracked my first high note on opening night of a show did I realize what that kind of psychology does to you the next time you get up on stage to have to sing the same show with the same people, with right. the same fear. And fear for me was a word that I never really, I thought about, you know, I mean, I was fearless. I did anything. And, um, but that was when I started learning, oh, what fear can actually do to the throat, to the vocal cord, the vocal cords, the tension, the whole thing um, taught me a lot. And, and I remember calling you going, what in the world do I do now? Cause I had all those notes before I had that high note before I blew yeah. it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so. and I think too, where you were concerned, you could psych yourself into a position that you go, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. But you had to have physical tools. Yes, and, I did. And this is one of the things that, that in, in your questions you came up with, but that whole stress release thing yes. always seemed to lock in for you. And so I had to give you specific tools to handle getting to the, the fear place. You know? To get a, around it, through yes. it, over it, oh. under it, whichever way it was. Even right. silly things that you would never have thought. Um, and it was really that role that really just threw me. And um, because that happened and I just, every time that moment came up, it's like your body has physical memory of it. And um, I don't, it was Sandra, I mean, I don't know if we've ever talked about, I know that we've talked about certain moments in shows for you, yeah. but you've sung repeatedly roles over and over again. And I, and if there was an issue one night, you know, did that manifest the same way for you? Cause I mean, we're all, we're all human. We're all completely different. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, I had, I had, the problem was that I had to sing a lot of roles with a vocal impediment and then I had to sing them after the surgery 
without the vocal impediment. And that plays on your mind because you think sure. any, any glitch or anything you think, oh no, I've ruined my chords again. Yeah, oh wow. So that was a big long process for me of trusting that it's not gonna break again. You know, and that what happened with you? I'm sorry to interrupt, but what happened? I was intubated as a child, and they think that they nicked one of the vocal cords and that callus. The more I sang, I, we call it the Maria callus, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful. Yeah. The more, the more I would sing, the the bigger the 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 callus would get, and so finally there was so much air running through my cords that in 2002, in the middle of my career, we said, I'm sorry, I can't live like this anymore. I would rather not have a career than have a career where, you know, you had to have two days or three days off in between shows and not see friends and family and can't talk after, but that's not living. Right. So I had the surgery with Dr. Zytel's and afterwards, oh, my oh, God. hallelujah, good. Good, good yeah, but there's a lot of fear involved in that too. You know, because you go into surgery thinking, I'm giving this man my livelihood. My whole life is like, here you go, take my vocal cords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mess up. <laughs> I might own your practice. No. <laughs> you know, but it, it worked out and thank God. But yeah, it's it fear. I live with fear every time I stepped on stage for two years after that. Wow. You know? Wow. Well, I'm glad you're over it. Yeah, it was just, and it truly was like a light bulb too. Uh-huh, good. I just said, Sondra, don't be stupid. <laughs> okay. The only person you're hurting is yourself. And, you know, it's True. just, right? And you have a conversation, like the two little sides of my head were going, ding, ding, ding. They had this boxing match. And finally, I think the rational one won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... If I met, I couldn't mentally change it. Like I knew rationally what the deal was in that specific moment in that aria. But for me, I had to change it physically, even if it just meant I, you know, we're in these big gowns that I just like even did like a little bit of a squat. Like there was something of just changing physically. I had to, yeah, you see me, I'm, I'll move if I get nervous. <laughs> now I'm telling all my secrets. <laughs> but I have to move. Yeah. Or, or like, um, I don't know, like, I don't even think you knew this, but sometimes I'd throw you a look, you know, like I'm looking at you like just to, because something about the brain, like the switch or what Kim was saying, like stress relief in my mind, the air of stress relief, stress relief, stress relief was, it was, a I, it's like a bag of tricks, but whatever I needed to do to get through that moment was to still have it be beautiful and in line with everything. And singers don't really talk about that. I mean, that's not something that we... No, you kind of don't want people to know. <laughs> no, we're think, not a you know, because they think, oh, that was so beautiful. How did you do that? Oh, it just comes to me. Oh, you know? natural. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, how would you tell a singer uh, to begin singing and warming up again after a long absence from like what we're looking at, like three months off, you know, yeah. COVID, everybody's taking a break. <laughs> so how, what do you recommend? Okay. This is, um, this is so simple that it's difficult. Okay. <laughs> you start as slowly, as softly, as controlled, as, um, deliberate 
as you can. Keyword is soft though. And you only do something simple like sliding within a range that doesn't go low, doesn't really go high, it's all in the speaking range. And you slide and you do it no more than five minutes, but you do it in the morning before you speak. So that as the day goes on, you're actually using the right muscles in the right way while you're speaking. And as soon as you get, yeah, I know, <laughs> as soon as you get through, you know, that short period, you can go, okay, well, I can go 10 minutes. And it's, you know, I have specific exercises that I like, but everyone has his own or her own way that they like to warm up. So if you do scales, then you do scales, but you can do them only from C to C or A to A, you right. know? And um, yeah, but the big thing is soft. Why? Because as soon as you sing loudly, you're going to engage those muscles that can create all kinds of vocal pathology. And then you tie up your muscles and then you have to have somebody like me or your speech pathologist friend to untie those muscles. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always equated it with, um, if you thought about working out, you know, like I want to get in shape and I haven't done anything for three months. I'm not going to go out and run five miles because my body hasn't been conditioned to right. do that in three months. But if I go and do that, you can sometimes hurt yourself that puts you further back, which mm -hmm. is in my, in my mind, what you're saying. That's how I always understand that. So sure. even though when I go back to singing, I just want to really pull out that aria. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know girl, if you do that. <laughs> uh -huh. So yeah, yeah, you'll be hoarse and, um, and then you got to wait three days and then you come back and go, okay, let's do it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why I said it's so simple because it's just like any muscle. Right. If you are, you know, a runner, you stretch first or you walk, walk slowly. Run, walk, run, walk, run. Or you, mm -hmm. yeah. So, well, and that leads into for me, I would like to know what do you think about weightlifting for singers? I think um, that you must be very careful weightlifting. I think for women, especially postmenopausal women, it is absolutely necessary to do weight-bearing exercises, but not heavy exercises. Um, and vocal folds need to be open. If you... You might as well sing that aria after four or five months of not singing, because you will you'll strain the muscles and everything will go haywire. But yeah, it's important to do weightlifting correctly. So but the breathing I, involved in it. Yeah, there's breathing. Uh, vo vocal folds just have to stay open. So you don't talk to anyone while you're lifting, you know, um, and you're, you're breathing. You breathe, um, I find you breathe out on the hard part. <laughs> But yeah. see, again, I'm talking about, you know, not, you know, 200 pounds, you know, powerlifting stuff. I'm talking about normal lifting to maintain your muscles. 
And again, it builds your bones that postmenopausally start to weaken. So we have to do weight bearing exercises, weight lifting of sorts. Um, okay. So lower, lower weights, higher repetition. Maybe, maybe okay. again, little by little, you figure out what your body can handle and you don't overdo it or you won't be able to do it tomorrow or the next day. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. So the Does same. That make sense? Yeah. Okay. Same thing with exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your every person is different and your body will tell you. So listen to it and do not do more than your body tells you it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of the time, you know, amount, heaviness, what, you know, whatever. Yeah. I find that interesting because I mean, over the years, Sandra and I've talked even just about cardio before mm -hmm. a show and what our routine is before a show to warm our body up and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I think that that changes, it differs per person, even like what yeah. we eat. I mean, right. but I find it fascinating to hear what each singer can do. I mean, I know singers that men that can lift the morning before a show or they lift heavy the day before a show. And I know that that I've tried, it does not work. No. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, different. Their muscles different. are stronger than yours, you know? Yeah. So they can, yeah, can do everyone's that. different, right? Yeah. Okay. Are there, if, all right, let's go back to vocal exercises. Mm -hmm. Are there any vocal exercises that you think are universal that kind of work for everyone? Yeah, you know this, and you hate them. I know. <laughs> I know. But they work. <laughs> I know. Um, I always start everyone, even men, in the speaking range. And for women, it's between A and middle C. So it's a third. Mm -hmm. From A to C sharp. Oh, C sharp. Ah, right. And just like I said about the morning exercises they have to be uh, i always say because i grew up with racehorses there have to be blinders you know by so that you know what the end result is you must listen carefully and you slide softly slowly deliberately um, and concentrate on everything that's going on with your body and your voice as you slide from the A to the C sharp and back again. If the voice cannot slide smoothly or quietly, and I'm not gonna get into the names of all the muscles, I think that would be very boring, but <laughs> you know, um, and it's, if you can't do that, one set of muscles is malfunctioning. So if you can make that slide softly, you know, from the A to the C sharp and back again with no glitches, no volume change, no, um, um, I call them railroad tracks where there's just a little gloop, you know, um, then you know, okay, let's move on to the next half step. So you go B flat to D and back again, and you do it methodically, but you can only do it wrong two times before you have to go backwards. And how high do you go? You go as high as your body will let you. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, if you get louder, you can go very, very high. 
and if you if you do it softly there and I don't know, Carrie, if I need to get into all of this, you know, because you know why I do this, right. because of those narrow spots and the right. epiglottis and all this kind of stuff. Right. But there are specific places in everyone's voice where without their knowing it, there will be squeezing it at the level of the larynx. So those are the spots. And usually when you do this for the first time and if you would do this now after not singing for months you'll find that going from d to f sharp is going to be somewhat problematic weird the yeah. d right above middle c yeah. and not and that's kind of what we all call um and why is that gosh my brain is not functioning the passaggio, hello. <laughs> yeah passaggio yeah beautiful word for a crack <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it a hole. A yeah. hole. <laughs> well, and I call it a narrow spot only because the whole body is going, oh no, the muscles are acting up. What are we going to do? Let me protect you. And so the epiglottis pulls in, the throat squeezes, the tongue pulls back, mouth closes. There's all kinds of shit going on. <laughs> it does. It goes through a narrowing. It goes through a narrow passage, I think, to pass through the passaggio if you want to make it yeah. in, like an american way passaggio. Yes. right yeah. yeah but that narrowing is a natural protection device for our bodies because there's a shifting between the stretch of the vocal folds to go higher and the releasing of the fatness of the cords to become a little thinner so as this is happening when the vocal folds say, oh, not today, we're not gonna get any thinner today, then there's gonna be a crack. There's gonna be a problem, a passaggio, a whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so those are important to me because if you miss the first narrow spot, again, that's what I call, I don't like to say passaggio because everybody says, well, I only have a problem between E and F high. And I'm going, mm -mm, no, if you can't get through the low one, you're in trouble. And that's, you know, between the A and C sharp. And that's the reason I start there. Beautiful. So you get through there, then you get through the next, and then you can move up. Yeah. And it also helps integrate that voice. That's right. And then you can, happy. yeah. And the warmth comes from the low overtones so why not begin where the low overtones live and carry you know be able to carry that up into the upper register without belting and screaming if you can do it softly then you can do it loudly find that thin edge of the voice which which a lot of people don't take the time to do i think right or absolutely absolutely this has helped me from the beginning. It helped um, fix the vocal problem. It was part of the fix um, of prenodules. And then th th that's what I was dealing with. And then um, it's also been my touchstone throughout my career, which kind of leads into the next question we both have. Which um, is, being a menopausal woman. Yes. Lucky, I'm so happy. <laughs> How does, how would you say menopause affects the voice? Because I know how it's affected mine, but I don't know if it affects everyone the same. And what can we do about it? Okay, there are, um, actually it doesn't affect 
everyone the same, first of all. Some people say, I sang right through it, never noticed anything. Honestly, I don't believe that. But they, they do. Um, it causes you to lose estrogen, okay? When you lose estrogen, you're losing elasticity in the, the voice, in the body, your skin. Um, and it's, it's really similar to what you go through when you have your period. The, um, the times that are supposedly, for most women, the worst is premenstrual beginning, you know, pre, um, several days before. The core, vocal cords are thick. They say, I am not stretching out today for those high notes. And so you have to learn techniques to make them go ahead and make those high notes, regardless of where you are in, in your body or your cycle. And so menopause, in the easiest way to explain it, is constant premenstrual cycle. That's horrible. Oh, yeah. But once you catch on to, oh, you're going to be that way, are you? Slap you, <laughs> you know? Then you get new techniques, and then you move forward, and nobody knows the difference but you. Um, and it's, it is brand new um, coping mechanisms. Um, the one thing, and this is this is the only probably only scientific thing that I, I or medical thing that I'll actually throw in unless you ask more. Um, Postmenopausal women want to have estrogen replacement therapy. Well, yeah. um, if you've had cancer, breast cancer, which I have, I cannot have estrogen. So. Um, you, you know, you have to learn to deal. And I, I still sing and I know what to do physically to be able to make it happen. But things are different. Things are just very different. Um, there are always ways to continue singing if that's your heart's desire. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just, it would just be different. I told that estrogen or hormone replacement can make an operatic voice very unsteady and unstable. It it is um, yeah. You have to be under the care of a gynecologist and ideally an endocrinologist as well to figure out what the balance is of whatever replacement. You know, if you have replacement, just an um, estrogen cream, and mm -hmm. I think that a lot of singers do just that. Female singers do just that, but. You know, it's different for everybody, and I know it sure that there is. It sure is. Playing with our hormones like that, you have to be prepared to regulate it and mm -hmm. take a little bit over a while. Right. I've not done it. I, I, I think it's a scary thing. But. What, Carrie? <gasps> what? Well, I haven't hit that yet, but I know what happens to me. I know exactly what the day is what the voice feels like premenstrual and that it's for me in my mind it's like slapping two by fours together i mean it is thick and heavy and difficult and sometimes yep. like the only way to thin them out is to take an advil which i need to say 
I know what my vascularity looks like on my cords. So for me, it's safe to take something like that to thin my cords out. For other singers, it is not. So I don't want to advocate to take an Advil to thin the cords okay. out or steroids or whatever. But um, depending on what I'm singing, I ha sometimes have to take something to thin to make on those days. And usually those are always like opening nights, right? <laughs> but um, of course. Um, but, yeah, so that makes me think, oh my God, if I keep want if I want to keep singing through menopause and that's how I feel premenstrual, I mean, we might as well just be a contralto <laughs> once I hit menopause. Yeah, I can tell you, it's it's every day it's different. Am I am I right? And, it is. Yeah. And I don't know exactly. That's why doing this. You know those glides. That's that's a great idea because it's also a way for you to to take stock of. Wait, is it working today? Is it going to work? How much work do I have to? Because I find the older I get, I have to warm up longer. So I do two warm ups now, just because the first warm up is kind of prepping it to say, "Hi, we're going to sing," and the second one, okay. Yeah, it's like you're tuning. You're tuning, and then you get to warm up. Bingo. And yeah. that's what I find now as I've, I've gotten older that, you know, it just takes a little more time and you can't, you have Planet. to gently coax them. Mm -hmm. and some days they want to be coaxed more than others. But. Well, and if you realize it's just like, <laughs> I hate that I'm getting older, but my body is going, Kim, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you do that today. And it may not be singing. It might be picking up that little grandbaby of mine or walking a little longer. You know, it's your body is starting to wear down after you turn 20 anyway. So, <laughs> and it just seems to be coming on real fast right now. Hip surgery, geez. Mm -hmm. Well, let's ask the next one. We gotta get, we gotta get through these. We could okay. be all day. Although you are fascinating. Oh, yes, oh, thank you. I love talking to. I love talking to Kimberly Moon, Dr. Kimberly Moon. Um, all right, let's talk neck tension, which I love this just because of what happened to me in the last couple of years with my injury. Um, so I yes, let's talk neck tension. Does neck tension affect your high notes? Yes. <laughs> Okay, there are two ways that you can make pitch, okay? You can make it aerodynamically, where the muscles are letting the air come through, the vocal folds are doing their thing, or you can close the cords and acoustically make a pitch, mm -hmm. okay? The smaller the space, the higher the pitch. So if the larynx is gonna raise, yes, you will get the pitch out, the high note, it will lack warmth. If I can think of, um, it will be um, shrill. Uh, it may lack power. Well, it will lack power. It, um, it will be very unpleasant. And yeah, so you don't want to do that. Right? <laughs> you don't want to, because you've got to have that space to be able to call on all those low overtones to make everything stay beautiful. So okay? any kind of tension here yeah, is you can of... see, you know, I've got a skinny neck. So I would show everybody all these little things. Yeah. There's so much in your neck. 
that if you see anything popping out, it usually will pop out when you're singing higher notes, then just go, oh, no, 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 and do the other side, huh? What massage techniques do you use or what can we use on ourselves maybe to, re to relieve some of that tension? Are you thinking tension of? Neck, jaw. Okay, neck, jaw, tongue, chew gum. This is a, a speech therapy thing. Chew gum like a cow chewing its cud. Okay. That, I am not kidding you. If you look at a cow, you see its tongue, you see that mouth going all these different ways. That's the best thing to loosen all of this up. Okay. There, um, there is one, one little thing, and I brought Larry. Do you know who Larry is? No. Oh. You do. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, Larry. What's up? Every time you bring that up, I'm like, oh, mercy. Oh, I know. I know. All right. This is Larry the Larynx. Um, obviously, this is his tongue, but there's a, there's a muscle that is in between. You can't, you can sort of see it here. All right. I, I think you can from here to here. This, the vocal folds are right, they begin right behind this point, which is the Adam's apple for men. Okay. There is a there is a, a way that you can feel it if you find your Adam's apple, swallow, and you can feel it for women. You can find where it is. I know where it is. Yeah, you know, you know where it is. Yeah. And Carrie, you're doing one of the things. Yeah, move your legs around. Don't talk while you're doing it. <laughs> but it it will loosen everything up. And that little crunch, crunch a little bit. Pardon me. Does it go crunch, crunch, crunch a little bit? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, you can move it around. Um, yeah. See, Carrie has been doing hers for a while, so yours is just wow. You're going <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> but there, the little muscle that I was um, showing you here on Larry, you can also, if you find that the tension just is not gonna go away, especially if the larynx has lifted high. And this wouldn't be for professionals, uh, professional opera singers, but I hope, <laughs> I should say, I hope. But sometimes you, you can get your finger into that spot and massage that muscle by you know, using your thumb and your, your pointer finger. You get in there and you massage it and it's like, oh, oh, that's what you meant. Is that the omohyoid? No, no, that is the thyrohyoid. Okay. Thyrohyoid, because when the hyoid bone, or when the thyroid or the, or the larynx is lifted, it's lifted between the hyoid bone and thyroid. Okay. So it's that muscle that you're trying to relax. Okay. Yeah. So I think this was really important and this happened to me and I, I don't mind talking about it. Um, Barcelona singing day after opening night, I was out doing a touristy thing. I fell my ankle, I twisted my ankle in a church climbing up some stairs and my ankle popped out. Long story short, I limped for what a year, over a year. And um, because it was such a horrible injury mm -hmm. and that limping caused 
issues with my body that went all the way up to my neck and I had no idea. I mean, I knew my back, I was having massages, all this kind of stuff, but I didn't know that it had really affected my neck because during the injury, I'm still working in a boot. I'm still going to the next show. Then I'm in a cat, you know, I'm in all kinds of different things and still limping all over stage, 20 pound dresses, trying to get up off the floor. You know what I mean? A nightmare. I ended up at Tom Cleveland's because I was like, something's not right. And I don't, I can still sing. There's nothing wrong with the voice, but it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as easy. And I have always like that foundation you talked about with thirds have always made the voice try to make it even from top to bottom. So when I got in there and he felt around in my neck and he's before he felt my neck, he said, will you just sing something for me? And so I did. And then he got in my neck and he worked on it. Like what we're talking about. He said, sing it again. And I went, what did you do? And the way he explained it to me, if you have, we all have tension and carry knots of tension on our back. That's why we do whatever yoga, acupuncture, whatever it is to release those knots in our bodies. I had a knot in my throat and I, because of the muscles had contracted, everything is connected in our bodies. And I didn't know that I had this knot. So he sends me to physical therapists that are here in Nashville that are connected with the boys clinic that know how to work on singers. Cause they're also working on, you know, if you think about all the musicians in Nashville, the guitar players and how they hold that guitar and they're holding it for hours and they've got tension that comes all the way up through here. So, um, yeah, I mean, all kinds of instrumentalists, all kinds of singers. And so when I had started learning that is when I called Sandra and said, you were right. I thought you were nuts. I thought you were a nutter. I love you. But and so then the minute I learned that is that's why now I can get in there. I know my neck. I know my neck muscles. Face. It made me it made me think about singers I've worked with before where I've seen those. Oh, yeah. and, and then I knew that they were in trouble. And I wondered if somebody had talked to them or had or if they had known this knowledge because nobody's talking about this in universities or in voice studios. And so I didn't know. But when I found out, then all of a sudden the high notes were flying the the voice was even again i mean it it always was but it just didn't feel right does that make sense so anyway i needed to say that because i don't think i think a lot of singers need to know this realize they don't realize i know one little thing can screw up the whole shebang Yep. We have to be aware as singers, we have to be aware of our bodies. We have to listen to our bodies. And I think so many singers, not just opera singers, singer singers, right. don't, aren't aware of it and don't listen to the signs. And that's when danger and, and injury happens. Sure. And but don't you think because you had pathology that you are more aware of your body? I feel like that my pathology early on was in a way a gift because it made me more aware of everything. And so when that did happen, even though it took a year, you know, really figure out, cause I didn't know the damage to my body in a year. Um, I'm glad that I picked it up when I did, because if I hadn't, I think I would have ended up in vocal, serious vocal trouble a year from there. Does that make sense? Well, it made you start over and actually create a foundation on which you could build the rest of your voice. In, in my 20s, for sure. Yes. And so then yes. it taught me also to be just more aware of my body in general, just to really be checking in all the time. Yep. So, so what would be the best advice you would give singers, not just opera singers, but all singers? Well, be, be hyper aware of your body and listen to your body. Um, get plenty of sleep, 
drink water till your pee is clear. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, make sure that you are eating nutritionally. Um, yeah, I, I think and vocalize or tune every day, whether you're planning to sing or not. Every day. F, yes, Carrie, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Carrie, if I'm doing it, you gotta do it. I know. <laughs> I'm singing every day now. Every day. And it's just little, just little. It doesn't take any time. That's why it's so difficult because everybody wants to spend an hour if they're gonna, I don't have an hour. No, this is before you do anything, before you talk. I so. agree. I agree. Oh, and I do say exercise too. I think your body needs to be exercised, mm -hmm. nutrition, sleep, at least eight mm -hmm. hours. Uh, Can we go back to with the massage and speech therapy? Do you think that those things can actually help heal a vocal cord injury or do you, I mean, I know the answer to this question because I know you, but it also, do you recommend surgery? So what's the, what's the order of all of that? Okay. There, there are pathologies that cannot heal themselves and it requires surgery. Um, I, I would say, and this is, Boy, unequivocally, nodules is not one of those surgeries that needs to be done. Anyway. I tried um, to work my polyp off. We tried for a good year to try to work it off with vocal exercises with my voice. And it was just there for so long. Yeah. But, but you're right. I think that a lot of people just, eh, let's go have well, a you know, we're in a generation where everyone wants stuff now. There's not a period of let's see, you know, because you could have a polyp instead of nodules, you know, but let's work as though you have nodules and because nodules can be reversed, you know, if you're singing correctly or working with a speech pathologist and doing all that you need to do, polyps cannot resolve themselves cysts cannot resolve themselves granulomas if you have reflux you might as well forget it they're going to stay there for a long time you know so there are there are so many things but again it comes to bottom line it comes down to know your body and also know about the things that the doctor might tell you that is needed and you better know if he says, oh, those nodules, they've got to come out. We're going to have, you should know. No, I've already researched that. You've got to take care of yourself in the medical field. Mm -hmm. And that's terrible to say, but it's the truth. You're right. I remember you teaching me that I needed to have a CD or whatever, something on my computer now and I travel of what my vocal cords look like when they're healthy. Yes. So that when I am traveling and when I am sick and I go to an ENT, whether it's in Germany, whatever country I'm in, that I can show them this is a scan of healthy cords so that yeah. you know 
this can help you help me figure out what I what drugs I need if I should keep singing while I'm sick or if it's possible those kinds of things um and I think a lot of singers need to know that and do that you just need Absolutely. to get it healthy and maybe once a year a year and a half you just go in and get a because you know as we it, I'm sure everything changes as you age but I just want to know what my cords look like when they're healthy so mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I, I agree with you too, Carrie. Yeah. I always talk with it and people, you know, they look at when you're flipping through photos, they go, what's that? That looks horrible. <laughs> so do you think you, you talk about pop singers and everything. Do you think that the voice technique is the same for opera, pop, country, jazz, everything, or how does it vary? Um, up to a certain point, everything's the same because it's like learning the instrument you know you learn the instrument and then all of a sudden there are all these different branches that you can take but you know I get asked this specifically about uh, musical theater and opera you know mm -hmm. there there comes a point where you stop the operatic technique and you have to move towards how do you belt correctly you know and um, with the rock singers, it's so much fun to teach how to scream correctly, you know, but yeah, but no, only up to a certain point is everything exactly the same, regardless of the genre. But all on breath. All on breath, all supported, all awesome. body. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. How much do you think um emotions play into vocal issues one of i was crying all night long and i'm trying to talk to you right now <laughs> okay well you know the answer to this yeah i know yeah. but maybe other people don't that's why we ask no. i get um i used to get my um my little students in at the university would come in and their voices would sound so funky and i'd say did you argue with Joey all night long last night and cry? How'd you know that, Dr. Moon? Are you clairvoyant or what? <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, your voice is trashed. Get out of here, you know, and, and rest up and stop yelling. And yeah, so if you're happy, guess what? The voice is going to sound happy. If you're depressed and, you know, ho-hum, then your voice is going to be ho-hum because your body isn't energized. And if you're hyper, your voice is going to sound hyper. If, Yeah. So yes, your emotions, I, I say the emotions live in the vocal folds. That's a beautiful way to put that. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I always say that. I sing better when I'm happy. Of course. That's where the emotion lives. So... And one last question. Can you just, I know that we have Larry the Larynx over there. Okay. You, Larry? Yes, come here, Larry. Larry. Come here, Larry. Oh, that's just the tongue, huh? <laughs> well, at least it's Larry. You know? <laughs> yes, um, can you briefly describe how the vocal cords function? Um sure and i don't need larry i think oh, okay i didn't know if you needed yeah. to show the muscles that how you know no i i think um you know i i usually lose my students lose in a um, lose attention span when i'm lecturing or whatever um or doing workshops or clinics so i just talk about the larynx 
as though they are people, <laughs> okay? But basically, they look like a V, mm -hmm. they open and close like this. The V point is where the Adam's apple is, and it goes backwards. And so it opens and closes this way. And so many people that don't know about anatomy at all think that they run up and down, which is very interesting. They don't understand that the vocal folds main function is not speech, is not singing. The main function is to protect the lungs. So if the lungs are protected, then, then you can sing, okay? If the vocal folds don't feel that there is an issue at all. So what happens is that there's pressure that gets built up underneath these Vs that open and close, and they're closed, pressure builds up underneath, they are blown apart for a second and then they come back. And it's, this is what we call, it's a mucosal wave and, you know, this is what the video stroboscopy machine does. It slows down the movement of the vocal folds. So um, if they're going, you know, in one second's time, if you're doing it wrong, think of how, men, how much reinforcement you're giving those vocal folds in one second. Okay, so once, once um, the vocal folds come together nicely and smoothly and they're vibrating, the lower pitches have fat vocal folds, just like the strings of a guitar. The low string has a, uh, a deeper sound and then the thinner the vocal folds are, the higher the pitch. Am I doing what you want, Sandra? Yes, absolutely, okay. thank okay. you. All right, um, it takes specific amounts of airflow and a release of the airflow to allow the voice and the muscles to thin out when you're going for high pitches and to stretch. So there are different muscles, that's why those, those tuning, my tuning exercises, get all these muscles going, okay, when this happens, this is what we're gonna do, got it, got it. And then it comes up, and then you hit another glitch, and it's the epiglottis. The epiglottis is just above the vocal folds, and everybody's heard of the false vocal folds or ventricular folds. The epiglottis's job is also to help protect the lungs. And with the vocal folds opening and closing over top of the tube that goes to your lungs, behind where the, where the opening is on the vocal folds is another tube that goes to the stomach and that's the esophagus. The epiglottis, when you swallow, goes over the vocal folds and the false vocal folds. It makes a, such a tight seal so that food and whatever can go into the esophagus. It pulls everything together so the, the esophagus opens and is a bigger hole and everything goes down and you're not choking. Okay, when you sing, and you're going through the passaggio or the narrow spots, as I call it, the vocal folds are changing 
muscular control. When that happens, everything above the vocal folds is going, uh-oh, guys, the lungs are about to be compromised. What are we gonna do? So the false vocal folds first come over the, the real vocal folds, and then the epiglottis comes in and tries to close over so the lungs don't die. The tongue comes back and pushes on the epiglottis because the epiglottis is not a muscle. It's cartilage like your ear, so only the back of the tongue can push it over. So then you have the tongue pulls. So you have to say, what the heck are you doing? We're not gonna die today. Let this sound come out, you know? So is that okay? Am I doing? That is amazing. That's oh. why people pull their tongue. They need to know that. Yeah, because the tongue is a huge, like, oh, a, oh I've, got, I've got another guy here. <laughs> oh, hi there. And <laughs> Look at, you can see this, right? Yeah. Look at this big ass muscle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the tongue. Gary, Gary. Ah, uh, yeah. And here's that epiglottis that gets pushed down by the tongue. And think of all this. It has to eat Okay. And when yeah. you pull that back, the soft palate comes. To, oh, everything says, let me help you. And you're going, please try not to help. Relax. Relax. Spare. You know, that is worse than a four-letter word in the vocal studio. Relax. Relax. You know why? Why? Because if they knew how, they would. They no. do not know how to relax. I say, allow, allow the air to come through. Let's nope. think of whispering for a second. What do you do? Oh, let's move the epiglottis. Stick your tongue out and touch your chin. <laughs> I also talk about baby screaming and how come when babies scream, they never lose their voice because it's supported. It is supported and their epiglottis is almost touching the, their epiglottis is in a completely different position than the human one. And this is how a baby can still nurse and breathe at the same time. So the epiglottis does not have to, so the epiglottis is lifted so high, they're not, I mean, how often do you hear a baby, <laughs> never, you know, they can nurse, they can suck on that bottle and still breathe. For 30 and scream all day. Yep, and they can scream all day. Yeah. <laughs> Good time. Well, thank you. Now that was great. That was a great answer. I think people need to know how this all works. Yeah. Okay. This cool. is how we it. And I think all singers should know the physicality of it, not just I open my mouth and I sing. They yeah. need to know how it happens and how these muscles work. And, and I think uh, Carrie and I, we love this because we're, you know, like kind of techies, vocal techies, but mm -hmm. we, we like the minutia of it all. I think it's fascinating. And yeah, I do too. Well, I think the more you know, the more that helps you in voice lessons, or if you're trying to figure out a teacher or a coach or whatever, whatever their lingo is that makes sense to you with that lingo. And if you know this, then you're not constantly 
using a trick bag or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Because for me, visual, I can visualize, oh, that's right. I know that in the narrow spot, as Kim calls it, or the passage or whatever, I know exactly what is happening and what it looks like. And so I can visualize how to make that work for me. And you can start hearing it too yeah. when it begins to happen. And you go, yeah. oh, oh. It sounds well, I, and, I and whatever, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, when I was teaching my course, um, Anatomy and Physiology of the Human Voice, mm -hmm. all the kids, I mean, it became the science requirement for the music department. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to take it. Brilliant. And they, they would all go, well, I just don't think I need to know this stuff. But their voices, everyone's voice changed by the end. And they were going, wow, Dr. Moon, you know, teacher of the year for that all the time <laughs> for a dumb anatomy and physiology course. But it was, it was a cool, a cool I, thing. I think so. Are we ready for rapid fire? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Ready for it. <laughs> no, I'm ready. Okay. You might need your wine for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I drank all this water. Good girl, good girl. I need to catch uh, up. If you go to stick to give blood, you know, you have to have water oh, in Yes, you do. Okay. Kimberly, yes. what is your favorite word? Pedunculated. <laughs> There's a reason behind it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I this is the one you have perplexed me. I have no idea what that means. Pedunculated, when I was in Italy and was working with the musical theater population, um, I, they would, they loved the word pedunculated polyp. Say it again, Dr. Moon, pedunculated. It's an upside down mushroom looking thing. It has a stalk and fills with blood underneath the vocal fold and it'll flop up between and so sometimes you can sing beautifully and then other times you'll start and it'll huh and there'll be no sound anyway pedunculated i love it pedunculated yeah. thank you very much you're welcome <laughs> well after that one i'm really curious to know what your least favorite word is here regardless because it's not a word regardless you are so right i hate that I loathe that word. Irregardless of what we do today. No, yeah. regardless of what we do today. Thank right. you. <laughs> so, so then what turns you on? Oh, a nice tight butt. <laughs> and that's why I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, ask the next one though. <laughs> what? What turns you off? Greasy, greasy hair. Oh, ew. That oh. you can smell that has a know, male, male, greasy. What sound or noise do you love? First thing in the morning, sitting outside with my cup of coffee before dawn sometimes, and the birds. Oh. It's wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what sound do you hate? The 4th of July dots. You know what I'm talking about? Boom. Oh, boom. Yeah. I, I, 
They, yeah, I don't like those. Don't, don't, don't like it. Nope. Yes, I can't ask the next one. Oh, I will. What well, is your favorite curse word? Shit. <laughs> and there you go. That just comes flying out, and I, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would, I've always wanted to be a surgeon. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what would you not like to do? Be a roofer. What <laughs> <laughs> about that? <laughs> I don't want to be in the hot sun all day long in Florida dealing with that. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. no. Okay. And the last question is always my favorite. If yeah. heaven exists, other than the curse word one, I love that one too. But, yeah. <laughs> but if heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? Other than well done, my good and faithful servant, mm -hmm. I want him to say, Kim, your horse is right over here. Go ahead and ride over to your mansion. <laughs> uh, your chariot awaits with your horse. Yes, <laughs> right. Wonderful. <laughs> I love well, Honestly, so lovely to talk with you and to meet you. And thank you for all of your guidance and information. It's invaluable. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Regardless of what other people say. <laughs> 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 it's a pet peeve of mine too. So you know what? You're not alone. Oh, yeah. No, hmm. I'm sure you, you are going to help out so many, so many singers out there. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for asking me, girls. Oh, yeah. gosh. No, we, wa we really wanted to talk about this because I think that there are a lot of questions. And actually, people have asked us, you know, what's happening if you guys aren't singing with your voices? And I think one question was like, don't another singer said that they atrophy. And I was like, what? I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you're 80, maybe they'll atrophy. Yeah. But we're speaking all day and that that keeps them active too. So it's yeah. not like we're sitting not talking. If we were silent, maybe, but we like to talk. We yeah. a lot. Uh -huh. I know. <laughs> well, I gotta get running, but it is lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. You. You're welcome. I enjoyed it very Thanks much. For everything. Love you. Wish I could give you a hug. <laughs> All right, there it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks, ladies. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. in my life. It was supposed to be all sunny today and it ain't. Rude. Isn't it? Should I tell you it's sunny and beautiful here? Fuck off. Oh, sorry. Did I say that? Yeah, you did. Love you. Okay. I love you. Okay. Ready? Yep. Yep. I got to drink a lot of water. So I'm going to be drinking a lot of water today because I have to get blood after this. So, and my body. To help people or to find out what's wrong with you? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not to help people to find out what's wrong with me, but oh, I don't okay. Oh, okay. Help with that. There's just a hell of a lot more than that. <laughs> so I'm going to be pounding the water just so that it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt. They stick. Mm -hmm.